The modern fishing boat is slam full of electronics, ranging from sonar to live sonar to structure scan to GPS and a lot of other electronics. But which ones do you use? What do they mean? And what ones are the most effective day in and day out in a wide range of fishing? We're going to talk about all that on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning in yet again to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I always appreciate that, just like I always appreciate the fine folks at Sportsman's Warehouse, 136 stores nationwide, or visit them at sportsmans.com. They have supported Fishful Thinker since day one, back in the early 2000s when we were just getting rolling as a company, and we've been with them ever since. So, Electronics. Speaking of Sportsman's Warehouse, I used to work at the fishing counter at Sportsman's Warehouse years and years ago. And uh, what I found out there is one of the biggest questions we got when people would walk in the, in the store that they wanted the most help with was fishing electronics. Fishing rods and electronics were the two things that people seemed to want the most help with when I worked behind the counter at the Sportsman's Warehouse. And we had operational displays where people could come look at them. And what I found out during the five-year stint that I worked there while I was building Fishful Thinker as a company um, was that people have a very low understanding of sonar and GPS and, and structure scan and, you know, the live sonar and all the other things. People have a very low understanding. There's nothing intuitive about it in most cases. And what I found is Joe Average had lots of questions about sonar and GPS, how to choose them and how to use them. Flashing forward, when I started guiding a whole bunch, uh, same thing. People get in my Ranger boat, they see all the Lance stuff, they start asking questions right away. That was 20 years ago. Now we've moved forward to where we are here, and now uh, sonar GPS has gotten even more complicated. We get even more questions. There's even more electronics in a boat than there was before, but I don't feel like that the fishing education has necessarily kept up with that. And to that end, Dan Swanson, you guys may know the name Dan Swanson. He guided with me for like a decade or more, I think 12 years, something like that. He guided with me here at Fishful Thinker. Uh, also one of the nation's leading experts on sonar and GPS. He is a retired electrical engineer and an early adopter of sonar and GPS in a boat. And therefore, he's got a very extensive uh, knowledge base. And so he is who, he being Dan Swanson, is who I have learned the majority of my sonar and GPS uh, stuff from. And from here forward in this podcast, we're just going to call it sonar, for lack of a better way to put it. And it's going to cover all the aspects of the, of the uh, electronics in the boat, unless I'm speaking about a specific one. So I learned most of what I know about sonar or electronics, let's just say, in my boat from Dan Swanson. Now, I've fished with a lot of fishing guides and pro-level bass guys and other guys I've learned some stuff from, but really the guy that's taught me the most has been Dan. And he really drilled me on stuff in the early days of him and I working together to bring my knowledge up to speed. And then we went on to start offering sonar uh, classes, like electronics classes on the water where people come get in the boat, and uh, we'd have four people in the boat, uh, plus the plus one of the two of us. And we'd have two boats. We'd have eight people in a class. And those classes sold out every time. And 
what we figured out then was there was a lot of need for people to understand what they're looking at and what they don't even know the basic terms. So I'm going to run through first what the various references are so that if you might be considering buying a sonar unit or you're buying a boat with, uh, with electronics, here's the things that uh, that you probably need to be aware of, the most basic things. So we're going to start there first. So when I say sonar uh, or traditional sonar, what might have been in your, your boat 20 years ago, it's going to be a standard two-dimensional shooting straight down um, with a fairly abstract image of what you see. And that's because the wavelength, uh, the way sonar works is it sends a sound wave to the bottom. That sound wave bounces off of whatever it hits and comes up. What it's actually reading, what the transducer is reading when those sound waves bounce back is a change in density. So anything that is more or less dense than the water is going to show up on your sonar. And so that's all it's discerning, though. It doesn't know the difference between a stick and a fish. It doesn't know the difference between a cottonwood tree and a brick. It just knows that there's something in the water column that is bouncing off different than the uh, rest of the stuff around it, and therefore it shows up on your screen. So... That's traditional sonar. It's the one we all knew. It was originally black and white. Then they went to a, to a color scale, and, and you can see the color line differences. Uh, it's very good at certain things, traditional sonar. Uh, it is good at showing stuff in the open water column. In other words, stuff that is not attached to the bottom. It is good at, in other words, fish being a classic one. Uh, the traditional sonar will do an excellent job of showing you fish in the water column within certain limitations. Better so than some of the other types of, of, of sonar that are out there, the traditional sonar that's going to be somewhere around uh, maybe 83 kilohertz to up to around 200 kilohertz. That means the, the the cycle speed of the sound wave that's sent to the bottom and bounces back. Traditional sonar is excellent at showing you uh, uh, bottom density is very good for that, probably better than almost anything else for showing you bottom density, which can be a major thing, and it's what I use my traditional sonar the most for. So for me, the limitation for locating fish is the cone angle. And the cone angle is, is a direct result of the uh, transducer itself. And I'm not going to get into too much technology of that, but it's roughly 20 degrees. Depending on your manufacturer, depending on you know your setup, it's roughly 20 degree cone angle. And what that means is that the the, the depth that it's going to show you, or the width of the bottom that it's going to show you, is going to be roughly one-third of the depth of the water you are in based on the 20-degree angle that the cone goes down to the bottom in. It's kind of like an upside-down ice cream cone. And the transducer is the pointy end, and the mount you're looking at on the bottom is the round end. And that cone, if it was 20 degrees, would be roughly one-third as wide at the mouth as it is tall from the pointy end to the flat end. So that's a good way to put it. What that really means is if you're in water that's 21 feet deep, you can see seven feet wide of the bottom. Conversely, if you're in water that's 10 feet deep, you can only see approximately three feet of the bottom. And I want to point out that my Ranger boat is eight feet wide. So 
unless I'm in water deeper than about 21, 22 feet, a fish for it to show up on my sonar would have to literally be directly under my boat, which is why I don't use traditional sonar to look for fish unless I'm in water about 20 feet or more. You might be able to idle over some stuff that's 10 or 12 feet deep and get some fish to sit there, but you're certainly not going to be able to park on them, not any fish that you want to catch. I mean, maybe crappies or something will come and move under your boat, but the fish that you're looking for, those big walleyes or lake trout or bass or whatever, if you're idling around in six or seven feet of water, not going to show up on your sonar. It's just not going to happen. They're going to get out from under your boat and you're never going to see them. So from that standpoint, though, it doesn't mean that I don't use my sonar uh, in, in the shallow water. What I might use it for is locating the structural changes, the drop-offs, the, you know, the, the turn in the creek channel, whatever the case might be as far as that goes, any rocks or anything like that that might be on the bottom. And a big one, as I've already alluded to, density. I'm a big stickler for keeping track of bottom density as a way to find transition. So a mud to gravel change, the only way you're going to see that is with a change in density. And so I will use my sonar for, for things like that, my traditional 2D sonar. In shallow water, I will use it for that kind of stuff very clearly. Uh, but biggest use for me is bottom density and fish in the water column. The second type of sonar uh, that I will use a lot, and I typically will use these two in conjunction, is a structure scan uh, or down scan. And the difference, the fundamental difference, is the shape of the cone itself, for one, and that allows the, the ability to sheet out to the side of the boat as well as under the boat, but also the, uh, the amount of kilohertz in terms of the sound wave that's sent out is much higher. You're now looking, instead of 83 to maybe 200 kilohertz, you're looking at 455 to 800 kilohertz. So what that's going to do is give you a much better image uh, because you'll have much better detail because the cycle speed is faster. So I'm getting a lot better detail, but I have a harder time seeing stuff in the water column with it, which is why I commonly use the two together. So I will typically stack them in my split screen on the Lorance unit where I have 2D sonar and then structure scan right next to each other uh, or right on top of each other so that they're showing me the same area of the lake or very close to it, but they're giving me two different amounts of information. And the structure scan will let me know, okay, the traditional sonar will say, okay, there's something sticking up off the bottom right here. I'm going to have a hard time seeing the exact shape of it or anything else. I'm just going to know that there's something sticking up off the bottom, and I might be able to tell if it's denser or less dense than the bottom. With my um, structure scan or down scan, I'll be able to tell you that that something sticking off the bottom is a cinder block and it's laying on its side, uh, or, or it's a it's a willow bush as opposed to a lay down cottonwood tree that fell in the lake. It's going to give you that level of detail. I can tell you that we're looking at flooded cedars that the state of Nebraska dropped in the lake for fish habitat, I can literally see by the shape of the bush that they're cedar trees that they dropped in there. You would never have any of that in traditional 2D sonar. You would just know that there's something in the water there. Your brain might be able to figure out that it's most likely a tree, and if you're lucky and the fish are sitting in the air spaces between them, you might be able to see them. 
with the structure scan and the higher, the higher cycle rate of the sound waves, you'll be able to see all the nuances of the tree. And if again, if the fish aren't sitting right in the tree limbs too badly, you'll probably be able to pick them out as well. Because the fish don't show up as arches, so to speak, as they do on 2D sonar, and I'm going to spare you the nuances of why they show up as arches, but it goes back to the cone angle, and that's some stuff that's a, a deeper detail than, than what we're getting into here, right here. But a nice, clean arch that we've all been taught to look for on a sonar unit that's a perfect fish that you just went over in your boat, well, he's going to show up as a little tiny dot on your structure scan. And may you have to may you might have to look really close to see him at all at that point. So the structure scan's excellent at showing you structure, which I suppose is why it's named that way. It will show you the nuances of the structure. It will show you the traction grooves that they cut into the boat ramp uh, on the boat ramp that I launch at all the time. I had an area of the lake bed where they had driven around tractors with big paddle tires on the bottom of the lake, and then when the sun baked it all, it dried and got hard and left these tractor marks all over the bottom of the lake where the tractor had driven around. Well, then when the lake inundated, they were still there, and you could see the traction from the tires uh, on the downscan unit, whereas you could barely see a ripple on the bottom on a 2D sonar. So that gives you some idea, uh, again, the level of detailed differences between the two. My general answer is if you're buying a modern fishing boat, you really should have traditional 2D sonar and a structure scan deal. Those are, in my opinion, complementary things to each other, and you should probably have both of them and, and play with using some of them. The, the structure scan or the side scan type deal where you can shoot out to the side of the boat with a narrow beam uh, is invaluable for looking for things on the bottom of the lake, but more is more valuable for that, again, than it is for looking for fish. And here again, the sonar is will help you catch fish even if you can't find them on the graph. Uh, if the water's deep enough and your fish are big enough, you will definitely see them on your structure scan for sure, uh, but it will be very good at finding that rock pile you're looking for or that drop-off you're looking for or keeping track of a ditch as it zigzags its way across a flat that you're trying to fish. Your, your side scanning will show you very clearly where those are. Uh, and and which side of it you're on, and you know how far out to the side of the boat it is. All of those things can be can be very very helpful. Um, they'll also help you find things that you might be looking for, like stumps on the bottom. It will give you a good idea of how tall those are, because when they sh when your beam shoots out to the side, it's going to create a shadow behind them, and the shadow is often more visible than the actual unit itself. And when I or the actual you know stump or something itself. And when I say shadow, the reason there's a shadow there is light waves and sound waves are not fundamentally different. So it's a sound shadow. So if I shined a flashlight at a stump from the side, there would be a shade behind it. And if I shoot sound waves at that stump, same thing. The light will not penetrate the stump any different than the sound waves will not penetrate the stump. So you get shade behind it. A lot of times when I'm looking for fish on my structure scan, let's say I'm working flats on my home lake and I'm looking for fish on the structure scan, it's their shadows I'm looking for more than the fish themselves because my lake has a very, very hard bottom, which is going to return a very hard signal. Well, that 
Also, the fish that are over that bottom are also going to return a hard signal, which means that they're all going to be white on white. But what you're going to see easy is the shadow from that fish. And so that can be very important that you're looking for. So with your structure scan. But at the end of the day, I'm more often looking for structure itself, drop-offs, cover on the structure, weed edges, anything like that with my structure scan type stuff. So that's what I use it for. And again, I typically use it in conjunction with 2D sonar. Now, these days, uh, things have gotten really crazy with the advent of live sonar. And everybody's got their different names for it. Uh, Lawrence calls theirs active target. I think Garmin's is, is live scope. Uh, I'm not even sure what Humminbird calls theirs. But again, this technology is, is fundamentally the same. Each brand has some nuances that some people like better than others. Uh, one company has a wider beam, and therefore it shows you more stuff but less detail. Other company has a narrower beam, which shows you better detail, but you've got to keep it aimed a little bit better, uh, things like that. But fundamentally, live sonar is reporting to you in the way that a flasher unit used to. If you had the old flasher units, uh, it's giving you data in real time instead of rolling it across the screen so that by the time you see it on the screen, it's well behind your boat. And that's a key thing that a lot of people don't realize. When you're idling down the bank or idling across a flat somewhere and you're looking at your sonar unit, your boat is at the leading edge of that sonar on the screen itself. And everything you're seeing is past tense, but it's up to you as an angler to figure out how past tense and that's a product of how fast is your boat going and how fast is the scroll speed set on your sonar unit. And it takes some getting used to to figure that out. Uh, and there's no shortcut for that. It, you can only learn that by getting something you can see with your eyes and going back and forth over it. For me, I recommend something like a boat ramp where you can see where it extends above the water and you bisect it and get some idea how far behind your boat it is by the time it shows up on your screen. Well, live sonar doesn't have that. So it doesn't give you near as good of clarity um, at, or, or anywhere near as stable of images as the other types of sonar. Certainly it won't match the clarity of the structure scan and it won't match uh, the stability of traditional 2D. But what it will do is show you stuff in real time. And real time is important in a lot of ways. And it's been... It's been so effective and yet so frustrating at the same time uh, for those of us that were somewhat early adopters of it. The, the frustration comes in is this. Well, let's first go to the productivity. Let's go to the good before we go to the bad. The good thing is I can literally see fish respond to my boat or my lure or whatever the case might be. If I pull up on a willow bush and I'm idling towards it or I'm, I'm just trolling motoring towards it and I'm looking at it on my live sonar, I can literally see the fish swim out of that willow bush. And the reason I'm using that example is it happens all the time, and I had no idea that that used to happen. I just assumed there was no fish in that willow bush. Well, now I know if I'm a full cast length from that bush and fish are even remotely spooky, they'll leave as the boat gets close to it. And they'll for sure leave if your trolling motor's running, which is not something that I ever understood before. And no, it's not the sonar beam, it's the trolling motor. And I can tell you that because if the trolling motor's off, and the boat's just drifting, the fish don't leave. But if the trolling motor's on and that same sonar beam is pointing in there, the fish leave. So the trolling motor, the propeller noise, 
is what I'm convinced is putting fish off. And just for the record, that's also been backed up by a fish physiologist friend of mine who's got a doctorate and runs a fisheries program at a major college and has proven to me that fish don't possess the physical attributes they need to detect sonar waves. They do, however, because the sonar waves are at way too high of a frequency for what a fish can detect. However, the sound waves put off by a spinning trolling motor prop are perfectly in the range that a fish can can hear uh, and also feel with his uh, lateral line. So your trolling motor prop is the enemy, not the sound. And people turning off the ping on their sonar is basically an old wives tale. Um, there's maybe some argument that if there was enough of them running, the water would vibrate or something, but no, really not. It's the, it's the trolling motor, but let's not digress here. The live sonar, because it happens in real time, I can see exactly what is happening and when it is happening. So I can pull up on a structural element of some kind, let's say a hump, and I can have my live sonar looking down and I don't see any fish. And I can drop a, a drop shot down there with a little Maxent General on it or whatever and shake it around. And within a very short period of time, a bunch of smallmouth are now looking at my bait, which I would have never known in the first place. Um, I did not know that fish vacated when we came near them on the trolling motor. I didn't know that they would follow halfway to the boat, but not all the way to the boat in a lot of scenarios. And again, I was able to pin that to the trolling motor prop. And by the way, if I've learned one thing by having live sonar more than anything else, it's that your trolling motor prop definitely puts off fish. The other thing I've learned is that what I used to tell you was very important depth range. Depth range. Oh, if you can narrow your depth range out, you're good to go. Well, I was teaching a class last year, and I watched a fish swim off the bottom 20 feet to the surface, right in front of the boat, grab a moth on the surface, and swim right back to the bottom where he came from. Well, that throws all the depth range argument right out the window because he just covered 40 feet round trip of water column in the span of about 10 seconds and didn't think anything about it. I also wouldn't have thought that you'd be able to see, that the fish would even be able to see that there was a moth on the surface from that far away, but he did. And so the live sonar has taught me a lot of things. It is also driving me absolutely crazy because you can see fish and you can't get them to bite. And if you didn't see them responding to your lure on a regular basis, and what I mean responding to it is they're coming and looking at it. They're curious about it. I can call fish in all day long, no problem, with a bunch of different lures. Doesn't mean I can always get them to bite. And I had no idea of that until I had live sonar. I just assumed that when I pulled up on a spot and nobody bit, they probably weren't home. And that's particularly the case in shallow water where I wouldn't trust my sonar unit anyway. Well, now I have my live sonar, I can point it straight ahead of my boat. So even in six or eight or 10 feet of water, I can see what's going on ahead of the boat to find out the fish are refusing my stuff on a regular basis. And historically, I would have left. I would have said, okay, five minutes in, no bites, I'm leaving. But now I can see them. And now my little pea brain convinces myself that, oh, yeah, I can for sure get one of them to bite. And an hour later, I'm still working on fish that won't bite that I would not have worked on if I didn't see them on my live sonar. So it's been a lesson in that. Uh, in that where, you know, the fish's behavior more than an actual way for me to catch fish on that particular sonar. So it's taught me ways to catch fish more than just staring at them on that sonar screen. 
So I think that their argument that, oh, it needs to be illegal, it needs to be illegal, which a lot of people have said, um, at least for tournament use, I say, hey, it's a definite tool, but it's just another tool in the argument, uh, or, or in the arsenal, I should say, and there is an argument that it will actually slow you down as an angler. Um, as opposed to make you more efficient. So I think in some cases, live sonar is a definite, definite, almost cheating type thing. But taken as a broad statement across the board for all types of angling, it is not. And like I said, it can be a time sapper. So keep that in mind. So traditional sonar, in my opinion, got to have it. Structure scan, down scan type stuff, got to have it. Live sonar, not so much. It's considerably more expensive, and you better be a hardcore guy to want to use it, and you better be willing to put the time in to adjust and use it because it is not anywhere near as easy to use as the others. Uh, So let me move on to one other aspect of electronics here um, when we're talking about the different things and how I use them. Uh, The other one is GPS, and a lot of people seem to think, and I I know this from my guide trips and, and, and electronics classes, the GPS is the least important one. And I would argue that GPS is almost, if, if, I, if, if, if I was on a 100% budget and I only could afford the most basic unit, it would, it, it would still have traditional sonar and a GPS component before it had structure scan. The GPS component is more important. And the reason is this. The GPS gives me the ability to keep track of where I've been which is really important for repeatability. And I I don't mean like look up and go, yeah, I already went across that point. I mean, it'll let you know that you're 10 feet inside or outside of where you went that, where you went by that point last time. It lets me mark stuff that I find on my sonar and that is still behind the boat. Because remember I mentioned that my sonar is, by the time it's on my screen, is behind my boat. Well, then I can go back, put a waypoint on it, and turn around and go back to it. So that cinder block story that I used, which is a true story that was on Cherry Creek Reservoir in Denver, where I saw a couple of bumps on my traditional sonar, went back with downscan, looked at them, figured out they were cinder blocks, and oh, by the way, there's some fish with them, and those were crappie. Well, I did that by marking a waypoint on that cinder block when it showed up on my traditional sonar, going back and looking at it on my on my structure scan. So. The GPS gives you the ability to do that, uh, which is huge. It also gives you the ability to mark a point and fish around it, um, to mark a point on something on your map and fish around it without keeping total track of, of uh, you know, the old school of having to line points up and things like that. So GPS is really important. The other thing about GPS that's important to me is places I don't fish a lot. Your memory gets unclear. Uh, you maybe think you're on a spot you were on before. And so for a guy like me that travels and fishes a lot, my waypoints are invaluable. And I use them for all kinds of things. Uh, It's data management at its finest. I sell my boat every year and get a new boat every spring. The waypoints go with me. I download everything, all my settings and everything go onto a chip. All of that comes in the office. And spring when the new boat gets here, I'll plug that all back in and I'm right back to where I started from having all of my data which is really important. So anytime I start a day of fishing on my GPS, I start a new trail so I can keep track of that trail and the date it was created so it becomes a memory for me. Um, And that's helpful as well. I can see all the places I went. And as a fishing guide, I might be on the lake three or four or five days a week. I can keep track of which spots I hit and which ones I didn't uh, and keep my rotation going. So the GPS 
for sure is very useful as well. So in order of importance, traditional 2D sonar first and foremost because it's going to show me stuff in the water column. It's going to show me the most critical things, stuff in the water column being fish or bait fish being the ones I'm looking for the most. Uh, it's going to show me bottom density, which is one of the most important things in my opinion. It's going to show me depth and changes in depth, which are also important. It's going to show me a thermocline, uh, if my graph is set up correctly, which is a change in water density based on temperature. It will show me that, which can be critically important because there tends to be less dissolved oxygen below thermoclines in lakes, so your fish are going to be heavily oriented above that line. Well, that line in my home lake tends to be somewhere between 25 and 40 feet deep, I can see that clearly on my traditional sonar, but you will not see it on the structure scan. So going back to the benefits of each, the structure scan, um, very, very good at showing me details of what I'm looking at on the bottom. Uh, you know, again, is it a willow bush or is it a fallen cottonwood tree? Is it, you know, all, just all kinds of things like that. Which way is a fish facing if I'm dealing with big enough fish like tarpon show up on side scanners, you can see which way they're looking. So I will use that a lot. I also use it to cover large flat areas uh, looking to like to stay on top of a creek channel or to find isolated rock piles or isolated stumps as I mentioned. So the structure scan very very important. Then from there a little bit less important but a great way to learn a whole lot of stuff and drive yourself crazy is the live sonar. Um, if you're an ice fisherman, you're probably used to that. So if you're an ice fisherman, you're going to have the easiest adaptation to live sonar, in my opinion. Uh, and also, if you're an ice fisherman, you're used to sitting there watching fish watch your offering and not bite it. And, uh, and that's what you're going to find out happens a lot, but you're only going to see that with uh, live sonar. And then from there, the GPS, uh, the mapping and GPS. And data management mapping and GPS for me is, is I don't want to say it's a full-time job, but it is for sure a major job. A couple quick points I'll throw out here right at the end. Um, if I have the choice, I want a through-hull transducer. In other words, a transducer that shoots through the hull of my boat. And that only works if you have a fiberglass or a plastic boat, works in a kayak, does not work in an aluminum boat. The reason I like those is because they are protected and transducers that are outside the hull have a nasty habit of getting hit with things uh, as you're moving around or getting um, uh, clutter because you're getting bubbles and things like that, bubbles from the hull moving through the water, things like that. So I like to have a through-hull transducer if I can get away with it. Um, the if at all possible, my boat's going to be set up with a graph at both ends. There's going to be a sonar unit on the bow and one at the console, if at all possible. If I'm going to pick just one, it's going to be on the uh, console for sure because I can idle around and look for things. Uh, and that's going to be more important than being able to look at something while I'm actually fishing. So I would, if I'm only going to afford one unit, it's going to go on the console of the boat because that also can be used to navigate with obviously the, the GPS unit and also to show me that the boat's coming into shallow water or whatever the case might be as I'm moving around. In, in other words, being a warning. So um, that's my, my limitation there. In a perfect world, I'll have a graph on the front and on the console, and they will be linked together, which is how all my boats have been set up for a very long time. My small little green boat, I have a little 11.5-foot Coleman Crawdad that I customize. The sonar unit on that boat, which is, like I've said, the bare minimum, meaning it's got sonar and GPS, and that's it. No structure scan, nothing else. Very basic, very, very basic unit. 
it's on a sliding mount, so I can slide it from one end to the other. So if I want to be able to fish off it and actually look at it while I'm fishing, I'll slide it to the front of the boat. If not, I'll slide it to the back of the boat. It's just got the cabling set up such that I can slide it back and forth and see everything that's going on. So, sonar and GPS, very important. Uh, lots of things to consider when looking at them. I realize that this has been a very rough overview uh, but it's just trying to get you in the ballpark. If you have specific questions, shoot me an email at chat at fishfulthinker.com. Uh, you can also join our social media. We would appreciate that at Fishful Thinker on Facebook or Instagram. Um, and you can send us questions through those as well. I try to be responsive on those. But if you're looking at sonar questions, specific things about it, I'd be glad to try to help you out with those or refer you to Dan Swanson if you need more technical knowledge than I have. I'd be glad to do that. Otherwise, we also hope you'll check out our YouTube channel at Fishful Thinker. There's several videos pertaining to our sonar GPS that Dan Swanson and I put together on there uh, that would be worth looking at for you there. There's more than 600 videos and well over a million views. So stop by and check those out if you would. And also check out what we're up to on Altitude Sports and Entertainment and also the World Fishing Network. So thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast. <laughs>